Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Grandling. I'm joined once again by Jenny Brentis of the Weekside Podcast. And Jenny, we, we just got through the uh, the conference semifinals, as it should be called. Some people call it divisional round, but they, they should not. It's the conference semifinals. Uh, we just got through it. Buck Saints, uh, maybe, maybe not living up to the hype here. I would agree with that, Gary. But it was some of the earlier games did, and it was also kind of difficult to watch two starting quarterbacks go out with concussions or mm-hmm. being evaluated for concussions taken back to the locker room so that was a dark cloud on the weekend although it was good that they didn't return and that they got the evaluations that they needed uh it was still just a reminder of the brutality of this game it was it was uh not a beautiful weekend of football except for maybe if, if, if you're the packers they they look pretty good in the uh early saturday game here and we'll get to that we'll run through all four games we're also going to talk to sean watson and and all those uh, rumors swirling around him at this point but uh as we did last week we are going reverse chronological order through the games uh so you know if you want to skip around the show i don't recommend that but if you really want to you can pretty much guess which game shows up when (laughs) but let's start with the brady versus breeze hype the two old men uh this was number one give 
give credit to the defenses. They play this game too, and they played this one well, but uh, I would have summed it up this way with the quarterback play. I don't think Tom Brady was problematically bad in this game. He was not good. Uh, they protected him well. You, you'd want better out of that. I didn't think their play designs were great. I didn't think their play calling was great. I don't think there were a lot of answers out there for Brady, but um, he still looked like a starting NFL quarterback. I don't know if you can say that about Drew Brees in this game. It really looked like old man football. And that was, of course, the storyline that was hyped all week. Tom Brady posted the History Channel meme of him and Brady as graybeard old men. And it was this anticipated playoff matchup between the two who hadn't been in the same conference uh, for, for most of their careers. And yeah, Gary, I, I was with you. You know, they kept pointing out that on the broadcast. I think they did a really good job of making that point that at one point, Brady had only thrown five passes of more than 20 yards and completed one. Mm -hmm. Breeze had not thrown any. I do think his interception was about 20 yards. I, I didn't quite get the air distance because yeah. I was focused on other things, such as where the ball was placed, <laughs> how it bounced off Jared Cook's chest. And also, the safety who intercepted it had some pretty awesome yes. Jordan cleats. I believe like, it, I was like <laughs> Mike Edwards. Those are good shoes. Yes, I had to pause and I was like, are, are those actually cleats or are they just like normal sneakers? Because they were so slick. Like, it was amazing. It's like in high school when occasionally you forget your cleats and you just got to grab like, yeah, I'm just gonna wear my running shoes, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what it looked like. But great play there. And yes, as you mentioned, great, great performances by the defenses. But it was sort of a showcase for the decline that happens later in quarterback <laughs> careers. It's, it's amazing that both are still playing, yeah. but uh, you could you could tell. It's the decline that happens in all of us at one point or another. Um, very true. As far as the Bucks, look, besides the fact that they won the game, which is very encouraging, I thought there were encouraging things for the Bucks When they lost to the Saints in ugly fashion twice during the regular season, the Saints' pass rush destroyed the Bucks' offensive line in those games. Uh, I think you had mentioned no, no Ali Marpet when they had the uh, the midseason game in Tampa. That was just a, a complete massacre on Sunday night. But uh, as far as this game went, the offensive line held up well. I again, I Brady didn't play well. Uh, it wasn't a disaster, but didn't play well. Uh, the receivers weren't great, and just just the the play designs they, they they don't have any answers for uh, uh for brady in a game like this and they were kind of lucky to get away with this one yeah early in the game brady was sacked it was kind of the stunt uh demario davis i think ultimately got him um and i thought perhaps it was going the way of some of the other bucks saints matchups but from that point on he had good protection but yeah i'm with you gary it just seemed like he was he didn't have a lot of places to go with the ball. It was just kind of a boring offensive performance. First two drives ended in three and outs. There were a lot of stunted drives, and really a lot of the scores came because of good field position uh, from the turnovers forced by the defense. And I do want to point out one of the themes of this weekend, one of my favorite themes in football is not only getting turnovers, but doing something with the turnover, actually like running it back. And, and obviously we had a big one in uh, one of the Saturday games, but uh, I want to point out Devin White 
who, uh, when he arrived at LSU, he was actually a running back recruit. Uh, Devin White had a scoop on the, uh, uh, you know, Antoine Winfield. The, the play that sort of changed the game was Antoine Winfield punching out uh, Jared Cook on that slant route. Devin White scoops yeah. up and runs it back 18 yards to put a struggling Bucks offense on the fringe of scoring territory. And then he runs back, I, I think it was like 28 yards on the interception return. And those are those are big deals, especially in a game where your offense is struggling. That is a big deal to be able to not only get the ball back, but get the ball back and suddenly put them in a very advantageous position. I mean, it, Devin White on, on the interception return, uh, I, I wonder, yeah, 28 yards was the yardage. I mean, he just absolutely knocked out Marquez uh, Callaway with with a stiff arm there, and he just looked like a he looked like a running back. It's an interesting point, Gary, about defensive players that at some point recently played offense. It came up with T.J. Watt when we did the Art of the Strip Sack mm-hmm. story earlier this season, and because he had also played offense in college, he said that helped him understand how ball carriers carry the ball, where they're most vulnerable, when they're most vulnerable, uh, and so this is another manifestation of that in terms of being able to find lanes or cutback lanes or, you know, be able to advance the ball once you force the turnover. So that's, that's an interesting point you raise about, but he was fantastic as was Winfield. Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of good young bucks defenders that really made a difference. And that is what the Buccaneers need to win. Obviously they need a complimentary performance from the defense because the offense can get stuck at times. It seemed like a million years ago that uh, the Saints were winning this game. 2013 looked like maybe they were going to put a drive together uh, late in the third quarter and Winfield comes up with that turnover and then obviously they get the two in the fourth quarter. Uh, So as far as Drew Brees goes, Jay Glazer had reported before the game that uh, this would be the final season for Drew Brees. This would be his last game in the Superdome and obviously now that they've lost, uh, this is expected to to be it for him and uh we don't have to dive into his career too much obviously everybody knows this is a historically great hall of fame career that he had but if we are focusing in on this game we know the arm strength has been a problem the last couple of years and and they worked around it and and once again kind of like when they they lost to the vikings last year uh in the playoffs uh Taysom hill sort of was brought in as sort of a pinch deep thrower and he hit a uh, uh a deep shot to a deontay harris to set up a touchdown in this one they went with the trick play to Jameis winston to get their deep shot and obviously the i mean the play design worked magnificently traquan smith didn't have anyone within 20 yards of him and just caught the ball and sort of leisurely jogged into the end zone for a touchdown but breeze along with the arm strength issues i don't think i've ever and i'd have to think back and i'm not gonna actually go back and watch his rookie year when he was kind of struggling with the chargers but um i can never remember him just missing open throws at the intermediate levels like he did in this game yeah, the Cook interception was placed a little bit behind Cook. That was one example. And yeah, it was a different issue. You mentioned with the Bucks, Brady not having a lot of options. And with Breeze, a lot of times it was ball placement or or missing the options that he did have. Um, the, the play design was, was better. You also wonder if the game would have unfolded differently if they did have Hill as that changeup. Yeah. As you mentioned, they, they tried Winston because Hill was out. Um, and that one play worked well, but Hill has been a more regular, uh, you know, know, additive to the offense. Mm -hmm. And without him, 
you just wonder if they could have used him as a spark here and there, uh, as he referenced in last year's playoff loss. So the Saints going forward, uh, looks like they're going to have a new answer at quarterback next year. Will it be Jameis Winston coming back? Uh, again, I, I think that's a very viable alternative for them. I still wonder, back when Jameis Winston was in relief, when Breeze got uh, the rib injury midseason, and he just threw a classic Jameis Winston uh, throw it into a second-level defender's chest type of uh, uh, throw that they got away with. And I just don't know if the Saints can... <laughs> can live with that going forward. Uh, the other option, Taysom Hill, is is a is a possibility here. Uh, you could certainly, as you saw this year, you can do some neat things as far as melding this multifaceted run game and the passing game. The question with him is, uh, if you are trailing in games, are you crazy about having him uh, in the lineup at that point? Or maybe it's maybe they bring back those two guys and they, they mix it up like they did with uh, Breeze and Taysom Hill, or maybe they just go get someone completely new. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess you could go with a platoon approach more uh, more extensively, right? A more equal split uh, between Winston and Hill. I guess that's one yeah. option. I think you detailed earlier in the year, Gary, just how when you have that flaw like Winston has, you detailed it very well, that sometimes you just can't fix that. And I think that's been the issue with him his whole career is if you don't have vision – Sometimes you just can't teach that awareness and that vision. And to date, that seems to be his problem. There are all the, the talks about LASIK surgery was going to mm-hmm. help him see the field better. <laughs> and um, that was overblown. Uh, and they used Breeze's injury to get an extended look at Hill. And it was intriguing at times. But you also wonder if it's sustainable all of the time. So definitely some interesting decisions to come if indeed the Fox report is right, as expected. Breeze will retire. I also think it's just interesting, the mindset of a player. We all know that Breeze has a TV deal lined up Mm -hmm. with NBC. Interesting playing a season. I I mean, I know players kind of know that they're approaching retirement, and I'm sure they, you know, mull it, come back, and in your final years, it's especially when you're in your 40s, as an NFL player, not a regular (laughs) citizen. Wow. uh, It it pops in your mind. It's a constant thought, but it's a little bit different when you have like this job offer lined up and you know, you can leave at any time for that. You know, we just wonder how much that, that creeps in a little bit more. And do you lose any kind of edge because of that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wondered that with him and look, he played well the last couple of weeks. He, he was never vintage breeze. We didn't see that this year, but he was, he was good enough the last couple of weeks. This was, this really was the, the worst game I can remember him playing in a very long time. And uh, we all sort of get sentimental and, and we want everyone to go out on top. And it's 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 really hard to go out on top. Winning the Super Bowl is going out on top for Drew Brees. You're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. It, it just any, any team versus the field, you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. So uh, I don't know how much sense it makes for him. Uh, when he really looks at it logically, he also had a very painful injury this year. I'm sure that sort of uh, mm-hmm. made him look forward to sitting in a broadcast booth a little bit more. But uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the the motivation should be there for him to come back. And I know this sounds harsh, but I I think it's the same time for the Saints to move on. I think it's time to figure out the next thing here. Uh, they can still be Super Bowl contenders. You got a taste of Taysom Hill and and what that might be. I do think that's and this is just my guess. I think that's the way Sean Payton wants to go. I think there's something uh, 
I think there's something coaches like about drawing up these sort of new uh, sort of run designs and these these sort of uh, forward-thinking offenses you can do with an athlete like Taysom Hill. But uh, that's just my guess, I, and and I think it's I think it's the right time for the Saints. I think it's the right time for Breeze at this point, even if it did end on a really disappointing note. I agree. So let's uh, let's go back to earlier in the day where uh, the Chiefs and the Browns played uh, certainly a, a thrilling game here. But the I mean the headline is Patrick Mahomes leaves with a concussion. Really a, a scary scene out there. He was he was incredibly wobbly as he got up. Now there were reports after the game that it was it was a concussion, um, but his I guess level of wobbliness, uh, if if we can term it that, uh, that was more a result of. He kind of got choked out on the tackle. It, it, it was very, the whole play was kind of strange. It was scary to see this result in it because it wasn't really a play where you saw it and it was like, oh yeah, right there, you know, he bangs his head or, you know, he gets a gets a crown of the helmet or a shoulder pad in the ear hole or something. And you could sort of see it. It was really tough to tell how he suffered the concussion, but he clearly, he clearly suffered one. Yeah, I agree, Gary. Watching the replays, it wasn't exactly clear where the injury occurred. Um, but obviously, the the sign when he stood up, um, definitely a scary scene and was taken back to the locker room and was ruled out shortly thereafter. So it, it will be interesting to see, you know, sounds like there's some optimism that he will be cleared in time for next week. Mm-hmm. But it's always a compressed timetable one week is not in all cases enough to clear the concussion protocol you have to stop having symptoms and you have to begin exercise with no symptoms and work your way back so at the very least you can imagine that his practice week would be affected um and despite the early optimism you just never really know symptoms could present later at night the next day Mm -hmm. so it'll be a crucial couple days to see how he recovers but obviously that's a scary moment so hopefully he does start feeling better for his own health uh, without even talking about the game next week so this was uh, as far as the game went you got chad henney coming in it was 19 to 10 uh sort of late in the third quarter when this happened henny sort of finished off a field goal drive to put some points on the board those end up being the chief's last points of the game but uh you know they were they were playing with a two possession lead they held on to it and chad henny made a couple of plays down the stretch he had a, a scramble on third and 14 to set up a fourth and inches at midfield which gave the chiefs the opportunity to go for it and i just gotta i i'm not i understand why teams do the draw them off sides thing especially last week when it worked for the bills and they end up getting a touchdown because of it but uh i hate it i hate watching it it's super boring and <laughs> I'm kind of glad the Chiefs faked the uh, they faked the fake on this one. That was pretty amazing. I mean, one obviously the confidence to go for that with the backup quarterback, but also they really seemed to lull the Browns' defense. You know, you, you kind of freeze the defense because no one wants to jump off sides, mm-hmm. and it seemed like they weren't going to actually run the play. I mean, even Romo pointed that out on the broadcast. Like you can tell by their body language, nothing is going to happen. And that's why it was so brilliant because everyone was just kind of frozen, assuming this was just, okay, they're going to try to draw us offside. And when they actually ran the play, 
it worked because everyone was frozen, I think. Romo was wrong for once. It was uh, it was good to see that he is mortal. Uh, yeah, I, boy, I, you know, I don't want to overstate it because, look, Tyreek Hill blows people away all the time. That, that's just the way it goes. Right, that's true. Uh, he, I mean, that release he got against MJ Stewart, MJ Stewart just, uh, it, it was over. It was over like mm-hmm. one-tenth of a second into that play. Tyreek Hill was going to be wide open, and it was just going to be an easy pitch and catch at that point. So uh, that was uh, that was a neat way to end it, and it was sort, certainly a very Chiefs way to end it. I think we all would have been bummed out if they just punted it and then held on. That's, that's no fun. Yeah, it was an exciting moment, and you think about Henny having had the chance to play in Week 17 to – at least practice a little bit. And this is the kind of situation where, you know, having lost during the regular season so that you don't feel the pressure to have to play week 17 or play your starters week 17 and keep up a perfect record or anything of that sort, uh, that's where it kind of benefits you because then you have a quarterback that has at least played a full game recently. It was a loss, but... You know, they secured the number one seed at that point. They were able to rest their starters. And that's kind of a hidden advantage of being able to do that so that your backup quarterback, if you have a situation where your starter gets injured, has played recently. So the uh, the Browns, uh, look, Browns were game in this one. We're moving out of that phase where the Browns get, uh, you know, sort of uh, moral victories here. They're they're really good. They're ready to compete for the next uh, uh, couple of seasons at the very least here. Uh, I got a lot of heat for saying Baker Mayfield played well in this game. I still insist Baker Mayfield played well in this game. I know the numbers didn't jump off the uh, uh, the page here. He did throw. His interception was bad. He threw one back across his body, tried to force it. Tyron Matthew picked it off, and and that's the way it goes sometimes. That That is a mistake, and, and he made it. Uh we got down to uh, Blake Hanser uh, again in this one. We had two left tackles go down for the Browns. So playing with a shorthanded line, uh, playing with a – I'm not sure what was going on with Nick Chubb and catching the ball, but they had a couple of screen opportunities that Chubb uh, dropped. I thought Baker Mayfield was, was decisive. I thought he moved through his reads well. And, look, he, he dropped in a great throw to uh, uh, Donovan People Jones for uh, for a big gain, and if Rashard Higgins gets the touchdown on that goal line fumble that ended up just being this huge momentum swing, it's a different game here. Absolutely, Gary. I thought he played well too. And regarding the interception, that's kind of what Tyron Matthew does. He mm-hmm. fools people. He jumps the ball. He had an excellent game, and that is, you know, a player that makes a lot of plays against quarterbacks and makes them look silly at times. But I agree with you. There were opportunities where Baker put the ball in the right place. He, he made the right read. He went to the right spot on the field and the intended target dropped it or, you know, couldn't haul it in or whatever the case may be, or, or made a play like the fumble out of the end zone, uh, made a mistake like the fumble out of the end zone. So I agree with you, Gary. I I think he had a fantastic end to the season. And if anything was clear during the divisional round weekend, it is that playoff is a power, or excuse me, play action is a powerful force. It is. NFL offenses. It really is. I I think these Shanahan, McVay, Stefanski style offenses, I think everyone's going to be running it within like two years here. I think the the old uh, the old spread or the the old uh, sort of stagnant uh, you know eleven personnel looks. Those are. Those are a thing of the past now. Um, I agree. And I 
think that it catches on because it's easy for the quarterback. It is easier to install that and to run that. Whereas something like Andy Reid's system, which was very forward thinking and merged West Coast principles with the spread, is wildly successful. But I think it relies a lot on Andy Reid's creativity. And I think when you see other places try to run that, they don't have that same creativity. So it comes up a little bit short, whereas the Shanahan style system is being replicated several places to great degrees of success. Most importantly, where do you stand on the fumble through the end zone? What should the rule be? I don't mind it. Ooh, that's a, that's a big stance. That's a brave stance these days. It is a brave stance. I know that that gets a lot of hate. <laughs> I mean, I I see all of the arguments. Like it is an extremely harsh penalty mm-hmm. for something that shouldn't be that harsh. But it's like an interesting wrinkle to the game. And I feel like it's not that hard to coach your players so that it doesn't happen. Yeah. Put the reach rule right? in. Put the reach rule in. It doesn't happen there. And I mean, they're they'll settle for the first and goal from the two yard line. Exactly. That was a, you obviously disagree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a reverse touchback guy. I was a uh, I was born a reverse touchback guy, and I'll die a reverse touchback guy. But uh, yeah, I, I think the ball should stay with the offense. Come back to the twenty. I just don't think the defense should get the ball if you don't recover it. I think you have to. I think you have to recover it. I think you have to put your hands on the ball uh, before you before you get it back. And and then to I could live with give it to the defense at the spot of the fumble or something like that. It's they get the ball and they get twenty free yards. That that right, seems fair. that seems like quite a gift. Uh, but the end zone's a special area of the field. It Gary. is. That is very true. I get that. And uh, and quite frankly, maybe we should have some. <laughs> maybe that makes up for every other rule in the sport, which just is impossible for the defense to deal with. So, well, that's a great point. It does even out the balance a little bit. That is that is the equalizer. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it was just right and then obviously i mean we should mention it, it was a missed call uh daniel Sorensen should have been flagged for yeah. lowering the helmet uh should you know it should probably be reviewable especially if you're gonna have to review a play anyway that should probably be reviewable but uh slippery slope type thing i know you don't want to get into a case where you are reviewing every player on every down to, to see if they mm-hmm. committed a penalty but that was a that was a that was that was a doubly bad break there Yeah, I know there's a lot of resistance to judgment call type penalties being reviewable, but I do think that one should stand in its own class because it was instituted specifically for player safety. Mm -hmm. So you could say that this one should thus be reviewable to ensure that it's enforced properly and actually is a deterrent for dangerous behavior on the field. All right, hang on one second, Jenny. It is time for the fantasy segment presented, as always, by DraftKings. And as always, I'm joined by Michael Fabiano of SI.com slash fantasy and also the SI Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Fabs, we uh, we got a little bit of a bummer this week with uh, the playoff games here. I mean, out, outside of the Packers, wasn't wasn't a whole lot of offense. No, nah, there wasn't. It was, an, it was an ugly week, actually, from a fantasy football perspective. When... Drew Brees throws 34 passes and is outscored by Jameis Winston, who throws one pass Mm. when Josh Allen scores fewer points than Jared Goff, who scored 13.6. 
when Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes both get hurt, although Mahomes gave you 21 and change before going out, it was it was a rough one. It, it was a it was an extremely rough fantasy week. I am in a league with a couple of my pals from Fantasy Dirt on Sirius mm-hmm. XM. There uh, are five of us, and so we do a draft every every week. Yep. My team scored 70 points this week. And I and I actually didn't finish last. I had no points for Michael Thomas and no points from Clyde Edwards Alaire because we draft on Friday. Right. And if the guy doesn't play, then you lose. And I wasn't the worst team. <laughs> it was brutal. I mean, I'm just I'm looking down the list of, of my playoff league here. I mean, if you had Lamar, you were just completely out of luck. Uh, yeah. If you had Breeze, obviously it was brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, tight ends outside of Kelsey, y'all did nothing, which was kind of in line with. I mean, Godwin didn't do anything. Um, this Antonio was, this Brown rough. got hurt. Mm-hmm. Mike Evans continues to struggle against the Saints and, and Marshawn Lattimore. He had a touchdown, but that was it. Yeah, that, that was it for Mike Evans. So it, it's yeah, it was it was uh, it, it was not good. It, from from a fan, of, yeah, and we saw like Traquan Smith came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nobody started him anywhere. And Diggs and Adams and Tyreek were good. Lazard and Allen and Van Jefferson were good, but nobody played Van Jefferson. Yeah, whoever else, I guess you could have rolled with him because Cooper Cup was inactive. With a cup but, injury, yeah. So that was a good. That was certainly a good DFS play. You know, you know what line is crazy. Jarvis Landry, did you see his line? Yes. Seven catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> that was, like that's, that's insane. How do you catch seven passes and have 20 yards? He had a disappointing like running back uh, rushing attempt line. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's like Jerome Bettis at the end of his career. Mm, man. But yeah, whoever went out there and, and stacked uh, Jameis Winston and Traquan Smith. Good on Imagine you. Imagine that. Yeah, Traquan had a big game. Michael T- Michael, let's talk about Michael Thomas. I mean, geez yeah. Louise. I mean, last week he was good. Yep. And he actually, career-wise, had done really well against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Averaging uh, right around 21 points a game. <laughs> Not this time. That was brutal. And Breeze was bad. Turned the ball over too much. It was kind of sad. Because, I mean, Breeze has won so many fantasy championships for so many of us. As recently as 2019, he had one of the greatest fantasy playoff stretches at the position. Averaged over 30 points a game. He was tremendous. A few of those games were on the road outdoors, and some folks were afraid that he'd he'd blunder, and he was great. Yep. Not this season. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl. Would have liked to have seen him gone out with a little bit more fight, though. No, I mean, look, Jenny and I talked about it earlier in the show. It's it's really hard to go out on top because it's really hard to win the Super Bowl. So at some point yes. you're gonna you're gonna lose, and mm-hmm. you know this was this was especially rough because he just didn't look. Uh, we knew the arm talent was dwindling, but he his ball placement was terrible in this game. I mean, he yeah. he just looked he looked he looked washed. I I don't know how else to say. He it. Did, I mean, and Brady looked. Brady's been great for the last month and a half. If we're talking about fantasy production. Every game over 20 points. And, and you mentioned Breeze looked washed. It, it reminds me of like Peyton Manning. Yep. Like towards the end, you knew Peyton Manning was done. You knew he was done. And, and we, we saw it at the 
end of his next to last season, he was starting to look kind of, mm, I believe he had, it was a multiple interception game against the Bengals, if memory serves me right. And then the following season, he just was, he was done. So it, yeah, it, it's a bummer, but Brady, I mean, I don't know, man, it's that avocado ice cream. It's that it, it's living in Derek Jeter's house. It's, you know, being married to a supermodel, whatever it is. <laughs> Tom Brady just keeps on rolling, man. And, you know, I feel like even from a fantasy perspective, this this weekend was kind of trash. We got the games we wanted. We yeah. wanted Buffalo, Kansas City, and we wanted Rodgers and either Brady or Breeze. Yep. Got it. Yep. I think we're, we're, we're feeling good. Chris Berman would be loving it. The Bay of Pigs. Mm-hmm. Now all Tampa Bay needs to do is break out the creamsicles, and that thing would be perfect. It's not going to happen. Might get some snow. But Tom Brady is not, uh, he's not, uh, you know, too afraid of inclement weather considering he played much of his career in New England. Well, let's hit uh, let's hit one long-term look ahead and one short-term mm-hmm. look ahead here. Sure. Uh, we talked about Michael Thomas. I, I don't know when Michael, where Michael Thomas is going to be next year. Will he be in New Orleans or not? Uh, it seems like there's just been a, a lot of buzz about it. And, and like you said, he looked, he looked good last week. I, I'm not sure what happened. Carlton Davis just took him out of this game uh, this time. But uh, the big question in New Orleans and, and the report from Jay Glazer before the game was that uh, Drew Brees would be retiring right. uh, regardless of the of the outcome at the end of the season. So they, they lost. They're not going to let him play anymore. So uh, this looks like it's it. And now the question is, do the Saints go with Taysom Hill? Do they go with Jameis Winston? Do they go with someone else? Do they go with Hill and Winston and go with sort of a, a more even platoon? There, there are there are options. They found solutions without Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess from a fantasy standpoint, from a fantasy standpoint, what do you root for as far as the Saints quarterback situation? I So it, it's tough because I love running quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And Taysom Hill was really good from a fantasy perspective, okay? And I'd love to see that. We're seeing a transition. We've been seeing it slowly over the last decade or so, man. More and more running quarterbacks coming into the league, doing very well. Got Kyler, Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know, I can, I can keep going. But when, when I look back at the bad numbers that Alvin Kamara put up when Taysom Hill was under center, I'm like, mm, maybe I don't want Taysom Hill. Maybe I went Jameis. But then again, Jameis is turnover prone. Maybe he would be a good thing for Michael Thomas, but is Michael Thomas going to be a saint? No. I don't know. No. I think there's going to be some wide receivers, some big name wide receivers that could potentially be on the move in the offseason. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of teams out there looking. You, I mean, you've got some pretty good wide receivers slated to be free agents. I mean, Allen Robinson, just Kenny Galladay off the top of my head. Uh, Chris Godwin. I don't know that Tampa Bay would let him leave, though. Yep. New Orleans is going to look a lot different. Yep. Whether it's Taysom or Jameis under center, we don't know who their number one wide receiver is going to be. There's Jared Cook. I would suggest he he's not going to be around. You're going to see Adam Troutman. You know, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, he's <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So Emmanuel Sanders is unlikely to be back. So. This offense could look a heck of a lot better. Sanders Sanders could be back. He's, yeah. he's still under contract uh, until 2022, but doesn't mean that they'll keep him around, um, you know, at, at $6 million at whatever, 33, 34 years old. So this team could look a lot different, and, and, it, and it will look a lot different. 
Yeah, the uh, boy, the, the receiver market, I, I've been saying it for weeks, the receiver market this offseason is going to be fascinating. A ton of guys, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, uh, so many guys out A there. A lot, but yeah. T.Y., I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know outside of Galladay and Allen Robinson, I don't know if there's anyone you'd circle on that list and say, here's a, here's a true number one, but a lot of high-end number two, low-end number one Jones type guys. Jones is another one. Yep, and, they're, and, and the thing that complicates it is the draft class coming in is incredible. It's it's. It's mm-hmm. like last year with the quality and the depth. And so all these teams, and I think that's why you didn't see deals get done with Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay, because all these teams are looking at, you know, well, let's go get our A.J. Brown, who's making, you know, whatever, right around a million a year for four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's let's get the, the rookie wage scale guys in here and, and do it that way and build it that way. So uh, there are going to be some, I think there are going to be some guys bummed out on the open market here. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It's it's going to be a wild game of musical right. chairs here with these receivers. Also, think about it too. Michael Thomas could end up being dealt. Yep. Julio Jones could end up being dealt. Odell Beckham Jr. No mm-hmm. one would be shocked if he got traded. This is going to be a fun off season, and it's also going to be an interesting off season in terms of the salary cap because teams are really going to have to massage that. Yep. Because of, you know, this season and COVID and lost revenues, no fans in the stadium were very limited. Uh, Teams are going to have to do some, uh, some reworking. Corey Davis is another guy. He's a free agent. Corey Davis. Yeah. Corey Davis for all intents and purposes. That was a thousand yard season. He had a good season. Curtis Samuels, another guy like him. Yeah. Curtis Samuels, a free agent too. I I mean, he's a playmaker, dude. You know, you Mm -hmm. put him in the right offense. he, He was, you know, he was contending with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore for touches and targets in that offense. You put him somewhere where he could be a two. Yeah. yeah. What, what about, uh, you know, what about in Jacksonville? They already kind of have that guy in LaVisca Chanel, which excites me. Yep. With Urban Meyer in the mix. But if he gets more opportunities, I mean, Curtis Samuel can end up being a really good fantasy player. And he, and he had a really good stretch during the course of this past season. So th- this offseason is going to be fascinating. It, it really is. Uh, I'll be doing a a 2021 wish list mm-hmm. that will include a lot of the free agent stuff and maybe maybe yeah. some some fantasy trades in there as well but it, it, they're, they're going to be some big names wearing new uniforms in 2021 there it's going to be a lot he, of fun to, to huge keep huge fantasy implications coming up in uh in march mm-hmm. here yeah. uh so before i let you go just and then this is the short-term planning for anyone uh drafting next week uh Let's 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 assume Patrick Mahomes is going to play. We obviously don't know at this point, right. but uh, if you were going here, and, and and I told you before we taped, uh, I had a draft this week. I took Travis Kelsey first overall, just because I won't deal with these other tight ends. I won't do it. Uh, but he's if you're just, drafting yeah, for he's, he's first, <laughs> you're drafting first overall. Uh, where do you go in the uh, upcoming week? Ooh, well, it depends on what the format of the league is. Mm-hmm. First off, I'm in leagues where we're basically just drafting per week and yeah. we're going to keep doing that. And so the, 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 the team with the fewest amount of points every week gets booted. Oh, nice. And I like so, that. so it's like, right. It's fun. So if you are, if you are playing in a league where you're going to have this team for the next two weeks, Kelsey's probably your pick, unless you think Buffalo is going to upset the chiefs, which is, is, Certainly within the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are not winning games by big margins. They haven't since week eight. So it would be Kelsey. I mean, when you look at the running backs, 
it's Aaron Jones and that's it. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, you know, you know me, dude, I'm a running backs truther. Yep. Who am I going to draft? Devin Singletary? You know, Leonard Fournette? I mean, hell, Fournette's been good the last couple yeah. of weeks. So it's probably Kelsey. It's probably Adams. It's, you know, Tyreek is going to be in the mix. Mahomes certainly will be in the mix, assuming he's a go. And Mahomes, the way that the way that he left the game, like he looked, he looked obviously staggered, but yeah. it didn't look like he got hit in the head that hard, if at all. It was almost like his neck kind of yes. twisted in a strange way. It was weird, and in a way, right. it made it scarier. But now that we kind of know, you know, reports were that he was kind of okay. It was yeah. one of the, I mean, when Lamar got concussed, you saw it right away. You knew it. Yeah, you I mean, yeah, yeah. That and, one was weird, though, because I don't think his helmet even ever touched the ground on that. Right. It was very strange. It was It was almost like he got, like, twisted or choked or something. I don't know. It was It yeah. was weird. But yep. he was he was certainly dazed. And, and uh, but I would expect him to be. That's. That's going to be a fun game. I mean, Josh Allen against Lamar, or excuse me, against Mahomes. After mm-hmm. we saw Lamar uh, against Allen, imagine if Allen knocks out Lamar, then knocks out Mahomes, then plays either Brady or Rodgers and knocks one of those <laughs> two guys out. Number one, Bills Mafia would be going crazy. They'd run out of folding tables in the city to yeah. to, to burn and, and jump through. That would be a, that would be an impressive list of quarterbacks to knock out to get to a to get to a championship if he does that he just goes straight to canton with a sledgehammer and just I mean, starts wrecking the place geez the ways i mean that would be uh that, that i would be own amazing. this sport now yeah, <laughs> yeah man so it, from a fantasy standpoint not a great week and, and and looking ahead here there's not outside of rogers jones adams the chiefs trio Buffalo's got two guys. That's it. Yeah. You, you're, you're not leaning on Devin Singletary. That's for sure. And the Bucks, you never know who the wide receiver that's, you know, will be, you know, Evans didn't do anything this week outside of getting in the end zone. That was it. He, he, he didn't have much of a game. Antonio Brown got hurt. Gronkowski's kind of disappeared. Uh, the last, the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. there's not a whole heck of a lot to like from a fantasy perspective, but it, it also makes it fun because you're, you're throwing darts like my dart this week was like Miko Hardman. Like yeah. look, no Sammy Watkins. And he didn't have a bad game. He scored double digit points, barely. But that makes it that that all also makes it a little bit, you know, more challenging and fun too from uh, you know, when when you're playing in these postseason leagues. Mm-hmm. All right, Fabs. That'll uh that'll do for this week. We'll have you back after uh we know the Super Bowl matchup next yeah. week. All right, well, let, let me get give me your predictions, man. Come on. What are your predictions for the uh for the conference championships? I pick Chiefs all year. I, that's not okay. fun. I'm I I will secretly quietly pull for the Bills cuz that's just more I interesting. I will absolutely and I won't do it secretly or quietly. I will do it loudly. <laughs> I want the Bills to win. It's uh, similarly, my, my wife is a bit of a Packers fan, but not enough that she'll actually care if they lose. But mm-hmm. um, I just think the Packers are a ton of fun to watch. A Packers-Bills Super Bowl would be phenomenal be great. to watch. Yeah. And I, I, I don't want to I don't want to bum out Bucks fans. This is your first year with Brady. I'm just kind of tired of, we're all kind of tired of Brady. And then on top of that, <laughs> I don't know, man. This this Sunday afternoon, this, this Saints-Bucks game, 
That was that was nasty. That was no fun. It was a good game until Bree started throwing interceptions. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was it was actually entertaining until the Saints are just snake bit, bro. In the postseason, I mean, I feel bad for their fans because you know uh, you know what happened in the you know the game, of course, against against LA, and I mean they, they, the the you know, the Stephon Diggs game. I mean, boy, they are just snake bit. And now Breeze goes out with a bit of a thud. Great career, going to the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame. Maybe maybe the best quarterback in the history of fantasy football. Not the way you want to see him go out, though. All right, Fabs. We will uh, we'll talk Super Bowl next week because because uh, we'll know who's playing in it. So that's, that's right. That's the way it goes. Uh, as always. You can get Michael Fabiano anytime, not just Monday. You can get him on SI.com slash fantasy. You can get him on the SI Fantasy Podcast. Uh, Fabs, appreciate it as always. And uh, I will talk to you Monday. All right, my man. Be good. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. This is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. All right, Jenny Vrentis is back. And and Jenny, you and Greg Bishop and I did a piece on sort of some of the dysfunction happening down with the Houston Texans. We're not going to necessarily rehash it here. If you want to read the piece, it is, uh, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's even if you haven't read it, you probably read it. Uh, but you can uh, you can check it out. It stands on its own, uh, and you know th- there haven't been uh, a whole lot of developments as far as what we wrote in there. Uh, however, one of the uh, evolving developments here is is you know Deshaun Watson sounds like he is very serious about getting out of Houston. Now, once he makes a trade demand, there's no going back. So he has not officially made a trade demand at this point, but. It sounds like he wants out, and it sounds like there's not really a way for them to fix this at this point. Yeah, one interesting factor will be what happens with the head coach hire. He suggested Eric Bieniemy, for mm-hmm. instance. Eric Bieniemy has not been hired yet, so is that still possible? Could the Texans end up hiring him, and then Watson feels like he has a coach that he stumped for that he feels like will he'll be successful with and maybe it's worth and worth to him to stay but Eric Bieniemy would also have to go to Houston which it's wild that we're saying that you'd have to sell someone but that's how the situation in Houston has devolved and that even though there's a quarterback like Deshaun Watson who is a special talent a good teammate a, a good person that you would be excited to work with on his own there's other organizational issues that make that job less desirable. So I do think the head coach hire will be an important checkpoint and perhaps maybe why Watson hasn't escalated his displeasure further at this point. Uh, But once that hire is made, then we'll see what happens. He could train away from the team. He could stay away during the offseason and Things could come to a head in the summer. Things could come to a head sooner. There's a lot of different ways this could go, but he is, you know, he's in a spot where he has concerns about the direction of the team, and he made that clear even publicly, saying there's no foundation with the Texans, and every quarterback, I mean, this weekend, Gary, really reinforced just how a single play can change things right you can suffer a serious injury we saw Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes suffer concussions and to me it was a reminder that you know careers are finite and the game is dangerous and you should exercise every right and power that you have and this is a era where players are doing that more and more so Deshaun certainly has the ability and should have the freedom to do that if you go back, this upcoming season will be the the ten year anniversary of, of Carson Palmer. Uh, you know, different things going on, but Carson Palmer sort of uh, 
was insistent that he was not going to play for the Bengals again. He sat out the first half of the season. They did trade him uh, to Oakland in the middle of that season. And, and you know, everyone sort of moved on. The Bengals had taken Andy Dalton. And uh, we all know what happened with the rest of that. But, uh, you know, look, there is there is undoubtedly a market for Deshaun Watson if uh, if they have to move him. Nick Casario, who shows up as the GM and sort of steps into this just utter mess that uh, that's that this franchise has become uh i mean you know he is he's sort of might be in a situation where he has to become the guy who traded deshaun watson and that's a uh, that's a very difficult spot for him to be in and certainly he's the first experienced personnel man they've had in that franchise for a couple of years now uh so you know if he's if he's gonna move, I, I know Daniel Jeremiah. We'll we'll have some fun for a second with a very not fun story. But Daniel Jeremiah had thrown out the Jets as as a possibility, uh, which makes sense because of their draft capital. I think the Dolphins get involved. Uh, I'm not saying give up on Tua, but if you can get Deshaun Watson, you do move on from Tua, and that's the way it goes. But uh, there are. Uh, <laughs> There's there's going to be a bidding war if uh, if they do ultimately decide they're going to move on from their 25-year-old uh, MVP caliber quarterback. Yeah, it's impossible to have watched Watson this season performing as well he did, as he did despite the team's struggles overall and not want him to have a successful career. I mean, I think you watch players and you see they have something special and it's exciting and fun to watch them and... Patrick Mahomes went into this fantastic situation. Obviously, he has talent and works hard. He also went into a situation where he had a lot of great players around mm-hmm. him, a, a coach and a mentor and you know, an organization that was perfect spot for him to develop. And you really want the same for Watson. And we're, uh, we're seeing some more moves here. Robert Sala gets hired by the Jets, Arthur Smith to Atlanta, and Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville is also a, uh, you know, a place that had, I guess, some level of dysfunction for a couple of years. And now it looks like they are going to make some investments in uh, sort of building up their infrastructure and their facilities and things like that, that uh, is probably a little bit overdue there. So, um, you know, these things do change quickly, but uh, the Texans have certainly, I, I don't know, they, they've just put themselves in a, uh, a position that is not good. And they've done it for reasons that are really difficult to understand at this point, but that's uh, that's where we sit, and we'll uh, we'll move on to the uh, the Saturday games at this point. Uh, so Bills Ravens, and look, th- this was another one. I, I don't think the the griping will ever reach the level of what it did with the uh, the Brady Breeze matchup. But you know, this is a game everyone thought it would be a, a shootout and all that. I will say. Wind is as big a factor. If any of you are are gamblers and you're into gambling, you, you've probably read trend stories on this. Wind is the biggest factor in suppressing offense in the NFL. And it was obscenely windy in Western New York on Saturday night. And it just sort of changed the whole <laughs> the whole the, the, the whole way this game was played. I mean, the Ravens were uh if you can believe it, they they said the the wind was affecting their shotgun snaps, which were just all over the place in this game. It was just uh it turned into a uh you know a, a defensive battle certainly, but just a night where it was gonna be really difficult to play any offense. Yeah, absolutely. And the NBC cameras did a good job of zeroing in on the flag at the top of the goalposts. Mm -hmm. And you could see that the flag was swirling around, which really 
indicated just the kind of conditions that they were playing in. So it affected the tenor of the game. And then obviously you watch Lamar Jackson. That one was clear how he injured himself. Head slams against the back of the turf. Mm -hmm. He's grabbing his head helmet immediately. And so you wonder what, even with the conditions, with the wind, he just didn't have that chance to lead some kind of comeback for the Ravens. And so it was also kind of an unsatisfying finish in that way. It was. And and look, you know, people are going to wonder about people are going to wonder about Lamar Jackson because apparently that's just how we're going to do it for the rest of his career unless he wins like eight consecutive Super Bowls. But uh, you know, there's there's something to be said for is it you know, they didn't expand the offense in the way that they wanted to this year. And I think some of that, certainly you would you would put on Lamar Jackson. He did not develop as a passer the way that he wanted to. He had talked about improving, throwing outside the numbers. Uh, that really didn't come this season. You could you could say it's because they really don't have the the receiving options out there, but that's that's another conversation. Uh, he had mostly the same guys he had a year ago, and it just it didn't it didn't come. It didn't happen this season. They also had a they had a rash of injuries. Uh, they had to do a lot of different things offensively going forward. I you know it's a disappointing season. I really didn't have a problem uh, with the way it sort of turned out for them when it was all said and done. Uh, I think they did well. They they went on the road. They won a playoff game. They won a playoff game and come from behind fashion. And you know they just ran into. A team, Leslie Frazier, had a great defensive plan in this game uh, to contain Lamar as a runner and and to really make things difficult as a passer when you factor in the weather. When you play those zone coverages, uh, you are sort of susceptible to some of the tight window stuff, but it was difficult to make tight window throws in that weather. Yeah, I think the points you made about the offense not coming together that really will be the story of this offseason too what will they do to take another step forward I mean they lost Ronnie Stanley to a season ending the ending injury Marshall Yonda had retired in the offseason so those are two big hits on the offensive line looking forward I think they need to do similar to what Buffalo did with Josh Allen and go out and get Lamar Jackson a number one receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw the difference that st- difference that Stefan Diggs made in Josh Allen's progression. Obviously, Allen did work himself on his mechanics to better his accuracy and things like that. But the ability to have a number one receiver that can make plays even when maybe the ball's not perfectly placed or can get, you know, extra yards or can just make ridiculous catches. You need that kind of person for Lamar Jackson to build around, and he doesn't really quite have that at this point. Yeah, there was a discussion about do they bring in a a tight end to sort of recapture that three tight end magic they had last season. Mm -hmm. I think it's time for them to to invest on someone on the boundary. Maybe, you know... Miles Boykin might be that guy at some point. He really hasn't shown it yet, though, and I think you just want that uh, that big, true number one type guy. It's not easy to find. There are a lot of good sort of high-end number two, low-end number one guys on the free agent market. Uh, it's a really good draft class coming out, so they'll have a chance to bring in some, uh, some reinforcements, but I, I do think it's time to get that sort of boundary downfield option uh, in this offense. And I just want to say, so you knew this game was really windy because Justin Tucker uh, missed two kicks. He, yes. he hit the upright on two kicks uh, that were extremely makeable distances from inside 50. And, um, uh, you know, Jenny, you, you know, you know my daughter, and she 
will sit there. She's 10 years old. She'll sit there and watch games with me. And we watched the Ravens the first, the first time last week. And I was like, oh, this guy, you got to watch this guy. Uh, their kicker is amazing. He's the greatest kicker of all time. Uh, and like every kick he does, it's like directly down this, the middle of the uprights. And he hits the upright last week. So we're watching again. She had to go to bed at halftime, but we watched the first half and he hits the upright twice and she gets up this morning. I just overhear her telling my wife, she's like, she's like, yeah, I think dad knows that much about football. He keeps on saying this guy is a really good kicker. And every time I watch him, he just misses. So, oh my gosh. So Justin Tucker's wind related struggles really undercut your credibility in the Grambling household. He's, he's making me look like an idiot and I don't appreciate it. That this game was so weird in a lot of ways for the Ravens. That's kind of why I don't think it's an indictment on the team's direction necessarily. You know, Lamar Jackson made some good plays. The defense made some good plays. They had a lot of things that went wrong. They had the high, high or sideways snaps. They had Justin Tucker uncharacteristically missing kicks. And they had Lamar Jackson's interception, which was a terrible play that was made a lot worse mm-hmm. by the return. If they had just, if the Bills had gotten the interception and some of Jackson's teammates had been able to tackle him, it wouldn't have been the same kind of impact play. So I didn't see this kind of game as the indictment on the Ravens that maybe, you know, other people might have looked yeah. at it as. I, I just, it was kind of a weird, it was a weird game. It's it's the reaction, and everyone looks for someone to blame it on. Sometimes you just, you run into a defense with a great game plan in a in a tough weather game, and you lose your quarterback for the fourth quarter, and you end up scoring only three points, and you miss two field goals. I mean, that's the way it goes some weeks. Uh, I, I I will say that the last thing before we move on to the, uh, uh, to the first game of the weekend, uh, one more time, we talked about Devin White earlier. Teron Johnson having the, and it is, it's it it's wherewithal to get up and run with the football after the end zone interception. I think a lot of times you get those end zone interceptions where you're kind of stumbling anyway and you just sort of, you know, you just sort of go down and, and you know, your teammates don't really know what to do. So they kind of like pile on top of you and and you just get the touchback, which is great. It's a red zone interception. That's that's a, that is a fantastic play no matter what. But for Teron Johnson to gather himself and take off and Tredavious White gets out there as a lead blocker and cuts off Lamar Jackson... Yeah. That was, uh, it turned out this way, and it just felt like, wow, that is a game-clinching play right now. It's it's now a 14-point game. Both these teams are going to have trouble putting up points in these conditions, and that was, that kind of ended it. Yeah, Lamar Jackson was the last player that had a chance to tackle yep. him, and you're right, you mentioned that block by White, which was really a fantastic heads-up play by him. So the first game of the weekend, uh, if you liked offensive football, you got all of your offense right here in uh, in Packers Rams. This was going to be a great matchup. You had uh, you know Matt Lafleur going up against his old head coach, uh, old man Sean McVay, with with his uh, coaching tree here. But uh, you know that Brandon Staley defense had been on fire. Aaron Donald was absolutely limited in this game. He just wasn't Aaron Donald in this one. But uh, nonetheless, we saw the Rams play really well in Seattle, even after Donald went out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had the answers, and he he missed a throw in the end zone early on, and they had to settle for a field goal. Alan Lazard had a, a bad drop in the third quarter would have, on what would have been a long touchdown, and they still put up almost 500 yards of offense and 32 points. Yeah, it's really looking like it could be the Packers' year. Everything has come together for them. 
they made it back to the NFC Championship game. And, and last year, that was where their season ended. And it was such a disappointment. They fall behind 27-0 at the half. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers has that post-game press conference where he talks about that it hurt more than it would earlier in his career. Um, but you fast forward to this year's team, and they're even better. There were so many things that to like about how this team is playing three-headed monster at running back. They had almost 200 rushing yards between the three running backs. Mm -hmm. Uh, The defense made some key stops. You know, there was uh, Jair Alexander uh, stuffed Robert Woods for uh, a tackle for a loss on the Rams' final drive. And then there was a great play where Zadarius Smith kind of pressured from the inside, which allowed Rashawn Gary to get a sack from the outside. And then just some dazzling plays, as always, by Rodgers. the one-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Adams was really a neat play design. Mm-hmm. Basically, Ramsey kind of had to follow him back and forth across the formation and kind of got hung up on his own guy because yeah. Ramsey kind of had to go around the safety, and then it was just too long of a path. Uh, but the one-yard touchdown run, I think, was was the best because Rodgers does that pump fake, which gets Leonard Floyd <laughs> to jump up and try to bat the pass instead of tackling Rodgers, which gave him just enough time to make it outside to the pylon. Uh, that pump fake was just classic Rodgers improvising, making, you know, a play that kind of outsmarts the defense. It was, it was really fantastic. It was, I mean, you had, you know, Rodgers making out of structure plays like that. And then you had the things in structure, like the Devante on display. And, and, it, and, you know, yes, it's a one yard touchdown and that might not blow your mind that they scored a touchdown from the one yard line, but to be <laughs> able to create the Adams comes on a dead sprint from the left to the right of the formation. Jalen Ramsey has to follow him and you could tell I mean, there there were clearly communication issues, but it looked like uh, you know the inside defensive back started to jump out on Devontae Adams. Then he saw that Jalen Ramsey, who had to be in a dead sprint to keep up with Devontae Adams, uh, was also sprinting that way. So at the last second, he tried to jump back inside on the inside receiver, who, if they both jumped outside, would have been wide open for a touchdown. So it's just, it's well-designed, and it is. I mean, when Matt LaFleur was hired, it was kind of like, okay, well, can, can you have this highly structured offense and then mix in the uh, classic Aaron Rodgers improvisational stuff. And last year, it looked like maybe not. It just wasn't quite there. This year, it is. It, I mean, this is what it was supposed to be. Uh, so uh, look, they they got their butts kicked down in Tampa. They turned the ball over a bunch in the first half. And if they do that again, they will get their butts kicked again. But I don't know if you necessarily will look at this offense and say, uh, you know, this is uh, this is unsustainable. It, it's absolutely sustainable, and and you know I there I haven't seen the the lines yet, the Vegas lines, but I would expect they're uh, they're probably pretty comfortable favorites in this one. Yeah, and that game in the regular season, it, it's just hard hard to imagine it not playing out differently now, given the way that the Packers' offense is playing. And I agree with you, Gary. It the offense has really come into its own in the second year in LaFleur's system. And I think that's natural that it always kind of takes a year. And they were still really good last year, but it they just didn't seem like a team that had it all together exactly the way that they wanted. And that's what they look like now. And with the, back to the Adams touchdown, just because it was such a great example of some of this, that's exactly what you do when you have a cornerback like Jalen Ramsey. When you're facing a top corner like that, you have these 
nifty play designs that put them in a compromising position. And there's never going to be any way that Jalen Ramsey will be able to cover it because Devontae Adams knows where he's going. He knows he's going left and then right again. And Jalen Ramsey has to watch where he's going and then Mm -hmm. follow and try to create a path that can mirror his path. So there's just never going to be any way that the corner, if you don't pass off in some way, if you're truly following him back and forth across the formation, the corner's never going to win that. Yeah. And, uh, look, uh, uh, a lot of people are, are in my inbox saying like, oh, this shows Brandon Staley. He's not a, not a head coach again. Oh, the, the previous 17 games kind of shows that he is, uh, as far as this game goes, it was just kind of funny because Sean McVay brought in Brandon Staley because he came from that Fangio tree and, and runs these defenses that give everyone so much trouble, but especially McVay in the past. So LaFleur is a McVay disciple. Uh, granted, McVay has not had an Aaron Rodgers caliber quarterback. Jared Goff has, has been uh, has been nice, had, had another nice gutsy effort in this one, but uh the Packers did not have the same issues against this Brandon Staley defense. And and part of it is also they dictate matchups really well. Uh, you know, it, it's you can't just it's very difficult to go in against a team and just say, we're going to put our top corner on Devontae Adams or we're going to devote a double team to Devontae Adams. The way they motion Adams, the different alignments they put him in, it's difficult to just sort of say, okay, we're, we're going to do that. We're going to take Devontae Adams out of the game. You, you kind of, you can't do it. Yeah. And that's where good offensive minds come in is they figure out ways to get their top receiver open, even when you're facing a top corner like Ramsey or a top defense. And as we're recording this, by the way, Gary, it's soon to be Brandon Staley's Chargers defense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. News is breaking. Not Brian Dable, huh? That is shocking. Or or is, is or is Staley going as defensive coordinator there? Head coach. <laughs> Man, so there <laughs> there I was just kidding by the way. I know, <laughs> not, I know, I know. I I should have like played along better with the joke. I, I'm just not as funny as you are, so like so this is the same issue I have with Connor. He's really funny, you're really funny, and sometimes I just get caught flat-footed like I don't know how to respond to a funny joke. Oh. Uh, Wow, that is a uh, well. We'll process that. I'm sure you will guys. You guys will have plenty of it on the weak side podcast. I thought it was going to be Brian Dable. That was such a yeah. nice uh, match there, but that's it seemed like yeah, that was the read that you stare down. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is uh, Tyron Matthew kind of coming around to th- steal the ball away. There you go. All comes back to uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's one tragic error that is making everyone hate him. By the way, I was so out on Baker Mayfield like midseason. It was just like, it's been a year and a half. He really hasn't played well. How can they even exercise his fifth-year option at this point? He was he was just great in the second half of the season. And again, I thought he was really good, much better than the numbers indicate in this game. And uh, I think they have to start talking contract extension with him this uh, this offseason. I don't think there's any doubt that he's uh, he's their guy. I totally agree, Gary. I had the same thoughts as you. Um, and that offense really started to come together. I mean, it's, it's a perfect system. And play action, like Aaron Rodgers thrived off play action, has just really opened up a lot of things. And it, the Browns finally got the right hire in Stefanski. And we're seeing the results in how Mayfield is playing. Before we go, we should probably just yell Super Bowl matchups. Maybe we'll do it at the same time so no one can understand what we're saying. Uh, okay. <laughs> should we do that? I don't even know what I'm going to say yet. Uh, sure, yeah, okay, I'm ready. Let me think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, for is it your prediction or is it what you're kind of like secretly, even though we're media members, quietly pulling for? Because I'm going to do, oh, I'm, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do the latter. I'm just going to stick with what I predicted in the MMQB postseason picks because okay. once you put it out there, then you're just always kind of wanting to be right. So I still think it's the most likely. Although I will say, you know, the health of Mahomes is a little bit of a wrench at this mm-hmm. point. So that makes it a little harder, but I'm I'm going to, yeah. Okay. Well, three, two, one, and then we'll say it at the same time and no one will understand what we said. Ready? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Three, two, one. Packers, Bills. Chiefs, Packers. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Right. I, see, Bill, Bills is a pretty good pick because, you know, especially with the question right now of even before Mahomes left the game with the concussion, he had the left toe injury mm-hmm. and was, was moving around a little gingerly, so... I just I think that would be the uh, the most fun matchup, and, and not that it the Chiefs fun. not that the Chiefs aren't fun, but we saw them last year. We see the Chiefs all the time. I, I think Bills yeah. Packers would be fun. Yeah, I mean this has been kind of a season of destiny for the Bills, and they certainly are good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. And I agree, Gary, that would be a, a really fun matchup. I think any of the remaining matchups are, are going to be fun. I mean, maybe less so the Bucks because, you know, we've just seen we that just, so many times before. We just saw the Bucks and now it's like, <laughs> no more Bucks games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we haven't seen, you know, we've just seen Brady is what I mean, yeah. honestly. We haven't seen the Bucks so many times before. So I think that one would be a little less fun. Yeah. I, I, I would like to see Rodgers play in the Super Bowl again just because he's so fun to watch. It's like my dad used to say growing up, and we used to all yell at him and heckle him for it. He'd just say, I'm just rooting for a good game. And That's like, right. No, you have to pick a side. <laughs> That's all we root for, Gary. Good games. Mm, that is. That is. Good storylines. All right, Jenny. You will be back on the Weekside Podcast with uh, Connor on Tuesday, and uh, you and I will be back next week. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Brentis and me, Gary Grambling. We are produced by Shelly Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and the Albert Breer Show. Albert Breer is on that, by the way. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, please leave a rating and review for all of them. It really does help other people find the shows, which are also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. (laughs) 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.